Welcome back to Brojo Online. Today's podcast, we're going to look at totally reinventing yourself. Something I think is necessary for everyone from time to time, especially when you hit major barriers. Today we're going to break it down into its different steps and hopefully help you overcome the fears that will come up as you try to change who you are completely. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Reinventing yourself is critical and I've done it a number of times, sometimes in a small way, like minor adjustments that are still very significant, and a couple of times in a major way. I've either completely transitioned, say, my career or my social circle, or more importantly, I've completely changed the way I live, my behavior, the beliefs that I'm trying to live by, the the values that I have, and so on. I've done this a couple of times, and it's really quite a challenging process. And I've worked with many clients who have had to do it, and it's, it's really tough. They've had a lot of difficulty dealing with kind of the death of the old self and then starting from scratch really you can you can live for decades and then suddenly realize that you can no longer live that way and you feel like you're kind of being born again but not necessarily in a good way it it can be quite a painful grief-ridden process where you say goodbye to everything you've ever done before and the person you've been up until now and you let go of your investment in that And you really do just start over from zero. It's like declaring bankruptcy on your old self and starting over again. But it's absolutely necessary for some people if they want to have a quality of life. Because sometimes, or actually at least at some point for everybody, you're going to hit a crisis in your life that shows you that the way you are no longer works. Maybe it never worked or maybe it only worked up until this point. Maybe it's always been flawed and now you've finally been challenged to see those flaws. Whatever it is, you'll be faced with an undeniable truth that your old way of being is not going to take you well into the future. It's kind of like uh, having a program in your computer that's got a virus. It no longer works. Maybe it used to be a good program. I don't know. But it no longer does and to continue to use it would mean to go slowly and to suffer a lot. And so reinventing yourself may in fact be necessary. I had one coach who said, what got you here won't get you there. At the time he was referring to my business, I was kind of stuck in my business a few years ago. And what I was trying to do was continue doing what had got me to that point. That had been successful for starting up my business, but was no longer relevant for where I wanted my business to go. And in fact, was now destructive to my business. I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. I had to change the way I was doing things because while it got me to where I was, it wasn't going to take me any further. And it actually couldn't be used to maintain what I was doing either. That was a minor one for me. The the biggest reinvention I've done was when I became aware that I had nice guy syndrome. Talked about that in so many different pieces of content already, of course. But this realization that being nice, which was something I'd subscribed to from my earliest memories onwards, I'd always been like that. You know, to be hit with the awareness that that doesn't work for me, 
that it is not bringing any of the things I want into my life and it doesn't make me proud of myself and I lack self-confidence. It completely did not work. That meant I had to change everything because it was everywhere. It wasn't an isolated section of my life like my career might be or my health and fitness. It was in everything I did, especially anything social, which is almost everything. There's almost always somebody else involved with what you're doing. So it required a complete makeover of my psychology. Now the upside to this was, I can tell you at the end of this journey, or on the other side of making the transition I should say, there's never an end, that I didn't become something new exactly, it's more like I got closer to my true self. And ultimately that's what a reinvention is about, it's not about making something up and becoming it like a performance or acting a role. It's more like stripping away the act to get closer to the center. And that's essentially what a reinvention is. It's a stripping away of what is not real and becoming more pure. So in a sense, you're going to be taking some of what you've already got with you. Reinvention doesn't mean a complete destruction of who you are. I mean, it might for some extreme cases of people. And it seemed like that for me being a nice guy. But actually what I find now, many years down the track from that transition, is I've retained a lot of who I originally was. I've just cut out the fat. I've cut out the stuff that wasn't me. I've cut out the stuff that was manipulative and unhelpful and harmful. And I've kept some of the stuff. I've always been a compassionate person. I've always tried to help other people. That hasn't changed. I've carried that through. But I've changed how I do it and why I do it, which are significant changes. So, for example, I used to help people at least partly for their approval and so that I could uphold my reputation as being a helpful guy, whereas now I help people as a way of bringing meaning into my life and they don't need to give me approval for it and nobody else even needs to know about it. It's just for me. So it's kind of similar behaviors, but done for very different reasons. And the initial principle of being helpful is still there it's just it's been cleaned up it's a lot more pure now and and healthier now and it doesn't lead to confidence issues like it used to so as you start to think about reinventing yourself understand you're probably going to retain the bits that you do like about yourself they might need to be modified and cleaned up kind of like wiping the grease off something but they'll remain intact and then there'll be other aspects of yourself that are completely destroyed and aspects of yourself that have been dormant, you've never really put them into use, and now they need to be bought out. For example, I never really put assertiveness into use for the first few decades of my life. And when I did my reinvention, assertiveness came to the forefront. You know, confrontations went from zero to a hundred. That was a massive change. While, you know, something like compassion or helpfulness remained relatively unchanged. So I was thinking about it, and... I basically managed to get it down to about six key steps in the reinvent yourself process. This is based on my own experience, of course, but also I've done reinvention work with a lot of my clients. You know, I've had a lot of people pleasers and nice guys come to me and three months later, they're essentially a new person that they've redesigned from scratch. And there's a process that we go through to make that happen. Of course, I can't coach you through it on a podcast. I can only give you the general principles. 
But you can apply this yourself, or of course, if you want my help, you can get in touch. So, the first one is really around awareness. You have to first become aware of which elements of yourself are not working for you, and how they're not working for you. What is it about the way you are that just doesn't work as it currently stands? Like for me, this occurred when I read the book No More Mr. Nice Guy, and I started to see that all of these very common and frequent behaviors of being nice that I engaged in were not working for me. And what that meant is what I wanted was actually being pushed away by this type of behavior, and it took me a very long time to see that. For example, I wanted deep and committed relationships, but being nice and hiding my true self and never having disagreements or confrontations and always trying to make people happy was actually preventing that from happening. Nobody could really get deep and intimate with me while I was behaving that way. And you'll have something like this going on for you. There'll be key patterns or weaknesses or flaws in your character that are like a short circuit in the system. They never bring you what you really want. Maybe it's neediness, maybe it's an insecurity, maybe it's a compulsive type of thinking, maybe it's self-sabotaging behaviors, maybe it's something that looks like it should work, but it just never has, so maybe you're wrong about it. And this last one's a key one. People become invested in a certain way of living, certain types of behaviors, because they think it should work, it makes sense to them in their heads, like being nice should make people like you, for example, or pursuing money should make you happy and, and bring you wealth. These kinds of or working hard will get you a good reputation. You'll have these things that on paper they make sense, everybody's confirmed that that's the right way to go, but you've been doing them for years now and it's never really paid off. It doesn't seem to be working, you're not satisfied with your life, you're not happy with where you're going, you're not cool with who you've become, and you have to just open your mind to this awareness, just go, okay, maybe that shit doesn't work, because if it was going to, it probably should have worked by now. And I'd say if there's been anything that you've done your, let's say you've done like 5,000 hours worth of it, which is about two or three years equivalent of full time. So if you've been doing anything for two years or more as a consistent pattern of behavior, and it's not working for you yet, something's wrong. It either doesn't work, or you're doing it wrong, or both. And these are the kinds of things you need to be looking for. You need to be really fucking hard on yourself. This is not about you going, poor me, you know, I had it rough, it's only to be expected. But this is about you actually taking responsibility, which is the next step, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But be very detached yet critical of yourself. What do I do? that doesn't work for me? How do I make things harder for myself? What have I been trying but getting nowhere with? What don't I like about myself? And so on. And be really quite brutal. Understand that the more truthful you are in this assessment, the more likely you are to be able to make a positive change. Because once you understand a problem, you can solve it. If you deny the problem or avoid it, you will never do shit about it and it will continue to haunt you. I've got an example, a guy I just had a few coaching sessions with recently. He had been kind of the dominant, assertive, alpha male type of confidence. He was confident because he won everything that he tried. He wasn't a bully or anything, as far as I know, but he kind of won by force. He was just an extroverted, dominant personality, and that was working for him for most of his life. And then one day, the rug was pulled out from under him, 
I won't reveal his personal details, but essentially he had an argument with his partner. His partner revealed that she would happily leave him if she wanted to, and that destroyed his total sense of control. He was suddenly forced to face the fact that he can't control other people's decisions, that nobody will love him forever, that they can leave him at any time. It opened up a huge chasm of doubt in himself. He had never felt this kind of doubt before. He had never doubted that he could have what he wanted, the way he wanted, any time he wanted. And now suddenly that crack was opened and he realized that can be taken away from me. And he became very anxious and and full of compulsive thinking after that. Uh, It's like the catalyst for a reinvention is where you realize you finally hit something that tells you your way doesn't work in every possible scenario you finally hit that situation that hits back you know like I was an overachiever for a very long time and then I got to the top of my career I kind of got as far as I could go at my age and I realized I still wasn't happy and I was kind of hit with this realization man overachieving doesn't work it didn't get me what I wanted I finally hit the limit of achievement and I'm still not happy it was just this realization like shit what am I doing if overachieving doesn't work why do I keep doing it You might look to other people as well. There might be people that you're jealous of or envious of, and they seem to have found a better way of doing things than you have. They seem to be doing something similar to you, but they enjoy it more. Or their success comes to them so much easier than it does to you. What takes you grind and struggle, they flow easily. And you might tell yourself they have some sort of advantage or... They're gifted or talented or they have less barriers than you, whatever it is you tell yourself. But you can't help but recognize, look, we're both trying to do the same thing or similar things. And compared to me, they're killing it. So maybe, just maybe, they know something I don't. Maybe their approach to this or their intentions behind what they're doing are different to mine in such a way that makes it go so much easier for them. You've got to become aware of your issues and trauma. What's the baggage that you bring to everything? Were you bullied when you were younger? Do you have a a negative relationship with one or both of your parents or other family members? Is there trauma from your past? Has there been some tough incidents that you felt like you never really got over them? You don't like to think about them or you can't stop thinking about them? Is there anything sort of in your past that remains unprocessed? Regrets and longings and missed opportunities that you just can't seem to let go of? Because if you've still got stuff on that list, then you're not done yet. And odds are that stuff's like a stone in your shoe. It might not hurt much at any given time, but given enough time, it will completely cripple you. And a lot of people avoid kind of self-authoring, going back through their life and figuring out, you know, what do they hold resentment or confusion, terror, pain, suffering about you know where do they hold those feelings and what do they hold them for a lot of my clients have bitterness and resentment towards the opposite sex because they've had so many unpleasant relationships and they can't hope to become a, a fully integral and empowered human being until they've figured that shit out you can't go to the highest level while still hanging on to resentments and bitterness do you have any hate is there any groups of people that you're bigoted against or prejudiced towards is there anything that you can't get over is there anything that easily enrages you triggers you are there things you avoid because they terrify you these are all indicators of issues and trauma and you can't hope 
to keep those going and not have them negatively affect you. A reinvention will require you facing those things and dealing with them. And one of the things you've got to understand, one of the key fundamentals of the awareness step is you're actually always changing anyway. I mean, look to when you're a teenager. You should be at least a little bit different by now. And if you are a teenager listening to this, then go back to childhood. But just notice that you're always a little bit different. You might have slightly different friends, do a slightly different job, have slightly different preferences. Maybe there was a food that you hated as a child and now you eat it happily. Maybe you've done a bit more travel since 10 years ago. Whatever it is, you are already changing, just very, very slowly. And maybe you don't notice the changes because you're not looking for them. So you think of yourself as being the same person all the time, and that creates an attachment to identity. You, you don't want to reinvent yourself. You want to stay the same. But you're not staying the same anyway. You're always changing. It's just if you're not taking control of that change, if you're not choosing it and managing it, then odds are you're going to keep changing for the worse. Those issues, those traumas, those key patterns and weaknesses that you have are going to accumulate in terms of impact. There will be a kind of critical mass that builds up. And I see this often in guys I work with who are in their middle age. Eventually there's a crash. All the nice guyness, or being a workaholic or not taking care of their body or not dealing with their trauma from childhood eventually builds up like a tidal wave and destroys them, destroys their relationship, destroys their job destroys their sense of self and that's what's going to happen if you don't do anything to actively change yourself in a positive way or reinvent yourself i should say and change you know get closer to the core of who you are it's going to go the other way it's going to go by default you're going to go negative rather than positive so once you're through the awareness stage once you've kind of written out everything about yourself that needs to be upgraded or re-looked at or reviewed in some way it's time to move into what i call the acceptance phase and this is really well it's it's acceptance and responsibility and it's really about taking ownership of these changes but before you can even do that before you can take the responsibility the acceptance phase is about just coming to terms with what you've realized when you increase your awareness for me in simple terms this meant just kind of looking at myself in the mirror and going yes i have nice guy syndrome and for a lot of people it is about identifying something like saying yes i am traumatized or yes i am on the asperger's spectrum or yes i'm miserable with my job or yes i've completely fucked up my social life whatever it is you want to do yes i am a drug addict just kind of coming to terms with where you're at and in particular, the parts of it that you're really not happy with and, and you wish were different. And just becoming kind of okay with it. Not okay with it as in tolerance. You're not going to let it stay that way. But just realizing, okay, I've come to the end of this chapter. And to move on to the next chapter, I'm going to have to become truthful with myself about where I've ended up. Have I ended up obese? Have I ended up lonely? Have I ended up miserable? Have I ended up chronically anxious? Have I ended up being an asshole? Whatever it is you've ended up being, just own it. Like, yeah, that's where you're at. And let go of your blame. You can point the finger at other people in your childhood or events that happened to you and say, that's why I'm like this. Or you can realize the truth, which is the common denominator in all the pain and suffering in your life is you. 
you're the only thing that's always been there. No matter how many people hurt you, there was only one person that were hurting, you. No matter how many things went wrong for you, there was always the same guy that the wrong things were happening to, and that's you. And you've got to start looking at not... It's not about saying, look, nobody had any effect on me. Of course they did. But your reaction to that effect was you. If your reaction to being rejected and bullied was to become a people pleaser, well, nobody did that bit to you. They might have done the rejection and the bullying, but you chose to become a people pleaser. Now, it may have been a kind of subconscious or autopilot decision, or maybe it was made in an immature or confused time in your life, but it was you nonetheless who became that. Maybe it was being abused as a child that led you to overeat, but in the end, becoming obese was your call. You're the one who put the food in your mouth, and so on. So I'm not to undermine anything bad that's been done to you. Yes, it's been done to you. Yes, it was awful, but we've all got that shit. All of us. Some may be a little worse than others comparatively, but we've all got trauma. We've all got things that we reacted badly to. We've all got things that hurt us and broke us. And we've all got negative coping mechanisms that we designed to deal with that stuff. Unhelpful practices to get away from the pain that have become habits in our adulthood that don't serve us. We've all got that shit. So you've got to own your one. Because nobody did it to you. Somewhere out there, somebody went through all the exact same trauma as you, but they didn't react the way you did. They reacted a better way, and they're living a healthier way because of that change of reaction. In fact, one of the great things about one of the best practices when it comes to reinventing yourself is finding those other people who went through the same shit or worse than I did, but reacted to it better than I did. What do they know that I don't? What can I learn from them? I mean, that's definitely what I did with nice guy syndrome. I went and found the people who, you know, had haters and and got negative feedback and were rejected or humiliated and embarrassed, but became stronger because of it. I went and found those people. Turns out there's quite a few of them, and they've got some good advice. And they did things a lot differently to me. They weren't naturally talented in some way that I'm not. They just chose a different path as a reaction. And they were lucky to have chosen that path. We don't get to choose who we are and how we're going to react to stuff, but we can learn from it. So you've got to look at the causal factor and responsibility. Whatever it is I've become, I caused it. I didn't mean to. I was trying my best. This isn't like some beating up my past kind of thing. He or she, that that past self of yours, was trying to do the right thing. But it wasn't the right thing, or at least it's no longer the right thing to do. It needs to change, and you're the one who's going to change it. Nobody else is involved. There's no government involved in this. There's no family members, no friends, no partner, no society. Those ones, those elements will always have an effect on you, but your reaction is all you. Always been you. And you've got to let go. You've got to let go of your identity, that, that reflective coping mechanism that turned into an identity. I became the nice guy, and I had to let go of being the nice guy. And maybe you need to let go of being the hard worker, or the victim of society, or the good father, or whatever it is that you've called your coping mechanism. Whatever excuse it is that you give to your poor patterns of behavior that don't work. It's time for you to go goodbye. I even recommend some of you have a little mock funeral. Go dig a hole, chuck a Ken doll down there or something, make a little gravestone that says nice guy on it, 
and let him rest in peace and understand it's time for a, for a rebirth. Part of the acceptance is knowing you're never done. Unless you're dead, there's still room for improvement, there's still room for growth. In fact, until you die, it's nothing but growth or decline, depending on whether or not you're active with this. Who you are, it's a fluid concept. It changes a little bit every day. You don't notice the changes because you're there the whole time. You're constantly upgrading your mental self-image to adapt to the new thing. It's like how somebody never sees themselves lose weight when they look in the mirror every single day. They don't get to see a before and after because they keep adjusting to the new image. So you might feel that you're the same all the time, but you're actually constantly changing. And now you're simply going to direct that rather than just letting it go on autopilot. It's going to happen with or without you, but you are fluid and you can take advantage of this. And the final thing you need to accept is possibly the hardest thing. Reinvention might destroy critical things in your life. It might destroy relationships. It will certainly destroy what you think you are, your kind of internal identity. It might destroy your career. It might destroy your current body. It might even destroy your family. It could destroy everything. And I don't want to beat around the bush with that. I don't want to fuck around here because that's what did happen for me. Now, I don't mean it destroyed everything, but I had to be prepared for it too. I had to get to this really quite selfish place in a way. I was like, okay, this is what's best for me and the world in the long run. For me to become a better man, everybody's going to be served by that. But whoever's committed to the current me is either going to have to get with the changes or get the fuck off the boat. And there were some big changes. My career changed. My friend circle changed dramatically. My relationships with my family actually changed for the better, but they significantly increased in intimacy. And my relationship with my body significantly changed. And this is what's going to happen for you. Even my hobbies changed. So be prepared as you go through this, that you might lose everything you think you have now in order to make space for the upgrade. But know this, if you're going towards more integrity, if this reinvention is to get you closer to the core, then it's only the bad stuff that's going to be destroyed. It's only the stuff that does not serve you and isn't right for you and was built on lies or deception or low self-confidence. That's the stuff you're going to lose. Anything that's good for you, is probably going to stick around. In fact, it's going to get better. I had some people on the periphery of my social circle become deep personal friends because of this change that I made. And they never would have come in if I hadn't made this change. And they never would have come in if I hadn't made space for them by getting rid of some of my other friends who I thought were close friends, but really were bad for me. You need to be prepared for that. You might have an identity that's significantly attached to your job. Well, you need to be prepared Maybe that's not who you are. Maybe you're not an accountant. Maybe you're actually a self-sustaining farmer. Maybe you're not a warehouse operator. Maybe you're actually a YouTuber. The change might be so significant that you can't even imagine it. Just be prepared for it. And understand that as scary as that sounds, you'll never be going there by force. You'll always choose to go wherever this takes you. No one's going to force you ever. This is your journey on your own. So you don't need to worry that you're going to have to go somewhere that you don't want to go. You're just simply going to go somewhere you want to go. That's all it is. But you're going to have to let go of what you currently have. 
So once you've got to that acceptance level, which is more of a mindset than anything else, just this kind of like, yes, I'm prepared to become something new and I'm prepared to take responsibility for what I've become and responsibility for whatever changes need to happen. We get to the next stage, which I call drafting. And drafting is what it sounds like. You're going to draft a blueprint of what the new you is going to look like. And the reason I call it a draft is to help you understand that you don't have to get it right the first time or even the second, third, fourth time. In fact, it's going to be constantly upgraded as you experiment with it. So you don't need to put pressure on yourself to suddenly figure out who you're supposed to be. Rather, just an attempt to guess or assume what it is that needs to change. Enough so that you can play with it. In a sense, what you're looking for is keeping the good and discarding the bad. It's real straightforward. You know, when I did my nice guy reinvention, I looked at everything I did that was done just for nice guy people-pleasing motives. And that was a big list. And then a much smaller list of things I did that were just genuinely good for me and for the world. And nobody else needed to recognize me for them. There was no sort of hidden motive. And those are the things I kept. And then from there I branched out. What you want, essentially, it depends kind of on how you prefer to create things like this. But maybe just bullet points, a kind of code of honor. If you imagine yourself being a samurai, what are the principles that you want to see yourself live by? You might call them rules or values, or like I say, a code of honor. A kind of description of what it would be like to witness the ideal you living. What kind of intentions would he or she have? What kind of behaviors would you often see? What wouldn't you see? What would this person not do or never do? And what would they always do or mostly do? How would they tend to react to situations? Why would they do what they do? How would they do it? You can break it down into the different areas of life. Health, wealth and career, psychology, your mission and purpose, relationships, social life. And under each, you can start listing the various things. Think of it like brainstorm, just anything that comes to mind that fits in this code of honor. Particularly what you're looking to do is focus on those things that you know need to change. You know, what are the things about yourself that don't work? Even if you don't know what the right way is, you just know you're doing it the wrong way because it clearly doesn't work. Or it doesn't bring you any satisfaction. Or you receive feedback from others that tells you that you're not who you think you are and so on. And start looking at, well, what, what's the opposite of those things? Or what's another way of doing it? A great way to do this is to look at other people, but in a very specific way. One is you don't look at the person as a whole, you look at their behavior. And second is this isn't really about a comparison in terms of better or worse. It's more like if you're an amateur dancer watching professionals to see what's the secrets of the trade. How do I dance better based on what they do? And so what we're really talking about here is admiration, which I talk about a lot in my core values course, which I recommend you do. All you have to do is join Brojo. That's brojo.org slash join. It's completely free. And you can do the discover your core values course, and it will give you a great blueprint to get started with. In that course, I talk a lot about trying to find some people who you admire, either as a whole person, but also just as 
in terms of their behavior what kind of things do you see people do where you're like wow i wish i could do that or oh that's so cool or he's definitely a good person or i respect that because what you're really saying is that's what i want to see myself do so make sure those are on your blueprint and also the counter to that disgust or hatred or people who frustrate you what is it they do that bring up those repulsive emotions in you what what does somebody do that makes you not like them because you should be doing the opposite for example if you hate it when someone lies to you then honesty should be in your key principles you should aim to remove all the hypocrisy from your life if you dislike someone for doing something but you do it yourself then you're betraying your own principles and that's one of the reasons you have confidence problems if someone cuts you off in traffic because they're being selfish and you beep your horn at them and you hate them for it they're being selfish cannot be a principle you follow otherwise you wouldn't be upset by other people doing it so make sure that you've got to catch yourself out on that it's ironic how often people pleasers don't like other people pleasers usually because they're in competition to be the best person in the room but also they don't like it when people sacrifice themselves for them so don't do it yourself and so on and in particular as you're drafting up this plan like i said you're looking for the weakest links which of these behaviors are like principles i want to live by but i live by them the least what are the, where am i the weakest in terms of what's on this list so if you are pretending to be something you're not all the time and hiding your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings a lot of the time and honesty is on your list then that's one of your weakest if you only care about what you need and you kind of don't pull your weight in your relationship and you're just a workaholic who does whatever he wants all the time and you've got compassion or caring on your list then that's your weakest area and so on again you've got to be ruthlessly fucking honest with yourself nobody else is going to do it unless you hire a coach or something you're the only one who knows where you're letting yourself down you're the weakest link but you're also the strength you're the one who can fix this the key with this drafting as well is that you've got to focus on behavior don't say i would always have these thoughts or i would always feel this way because you can't really control that shit thoughts and emotions are like the last thing to change it's like when you're losing weight it's your belly fat that ends up going the last all the rest of your body improves first well when it comes to self development it's your behavior that changes the easiest thoughts and emotions are the last to change and they're not really reliable measurables a lot of people talk about confidence as a feeling like feeling motivated and bold and brave and happy but feelings come and go confidence is about behavior more than it is about feelings it's about being able to do the right thing no matter how you feel so if right now you're judging yourself because you're a compulsive thinker or you're anxious all the time or whatever you need to put that aside that doesn't go on the draft principles that doesn't go on the blueprint what goes on the blueprint is what you can do and that also means that you can't put outcomes on the blueprint a man of honor must have lots of money you can't control that so maybe you'd put determination in his career so he can't control how much money he has but he can control how how hard he shows up to work how diligently he works or how conscientious he is that is under your control So make sure this draft is only about what you do, not what you get, not what you feel, not what you think, just what you do. Once you've got a basic draft, 
kind of sorted out. It doesn't have to be perfect. Barely has to even get started to, for you to find a few weak links to get working on. It's time to move into the next phase, which is experimentation. And this is essentially where you're going to put your draft to the test. You're going to see if it works. You're going to see how difficult it is to follow or how easy it is to follow. You're going to see what it means to translate those principles into behaviors on any given day of the week in any given situation. And this is where it requires some spontaneity, some planning, some fluidity, some responsivity. Because you're going to have to turn these things into actions in real life. This isn't something where, okay, I'm going to set one hour a day aside and live by my principles in that hour. No, no, you need to translate this into everyday living. From the moment you get up, through eating your breakfast, going to work, engaging with your partner, going out with your friends, going to your hobbies, the principles need to be applied throughout all of these experiences. They are not separate to life, they are life. So your next job is, how do I experiment with these principles? How do I be more this and less that in each of these situations? One example a guy I worked with, one of the things that clearly didn't work for him was being too independent. He did everything himself. He refused to delegate or share work with others. He wanted everything done his way. And it led to a point where he's overworked and unsatisfied. Clearly needed to change. So what does that mean in real life? It means that the next day he goes to work, he finds somebody at his workplace and he delegates a task to them that he would normally do himself and then just lets that person get on with it. So he doesn't do something new in terms of start a new job or go somewhere else to try this. He does it in real time, in real life. So that's what you need to do. Go through, especially pick two or three of the core weakest links in your draft and translate them into actions that you're going to take in the next week. There must be measurable actions. There must be comparable actions. There must be actions where you can see what you did and how much of it you did and how that compares to what you used to do. It cannot be about outcomes. So you might delegate the work task, but that doesn't mean it has to be done well. It just needs to be delegated. That's a bit you control. And did you delegate more than you usually would? That's the key measurement here. Your honesty doesn't have to make people like you, but did you try to be more honest than you usually are? How honest were you compared to what was in your head? And so on. And after you've cooled down, because there'll be some kind of hangover after a lot of these behaviors, some of them will be exciting and thrilling to do in the moment. Others will be scary and shameful and require some recovery afterwards. So give yourself a cool down period after it and then journal. How did you feel about yourself after that? You know, How do you feel about yourself now that you've done it? Compared to how you used to feel about yourself doing the other thing. You know, What did you learn about yourself during this experiment? Does this change your draft? Does it change the blueprint at all? Or does it confirm something on the blueprint? Is there more that needs to be done before you can come to a conclusion? Or have you learned your lesson already? And so on. Examine it. That's what an experiment is all about. You've got to measure. I'll give you some examples to get you started in case you have similar core values to me on your blueprint. So I've got six responsibility, curiosity, courage, honesty, acceptance, and respect. As you can see, I didn't read that out. I know it off the top of my head because I've deliberately drilled this into me. So responsibility. A core example of that is looking for an area where I blame someone for something else and fixing it myself. 
when I first took this one on uh, after my reinvention, I went into work and I looked for one task that everybody else is staying away from because it's too difficult. I went to my boss and said, give me that task. And that was my first experiment with responsibility. Turned out that doing that sort of behavior is what escalated my career massively. I became the go-to guy that easily got promoted. But it just began with this kind of like, okay, what's everybody else avoiding that I can take on? It later on led to more personal stuff, like what am I avoiding that I need to take on? Like getting on with uh, working out, you know, or designing my uh, own business and so on. Curiosity. What I realized curiosity means to me is I always need to be learning. It was actually one of the values that I was already living by quite strongly. It was one of the things I kept from my previous self rather than a change. But I upgraded it to I must always be a beginner at something. I can't just sit in comfortably in like the intermediate or advanced level. I must always sort of upgrade so that I'm the smallest fish in the pond. And to this day, I'm always trying to learn something. I'm always challenging what I already know. One of my favorite things to do these days is to take a belief that I'm sure of and go and listen to all the people who disagree with it. Go watch some YouTube videos from people who think it's full of shit and see if I can survive that kind of critique of my beliefs. Courage is an easy one. I live by that almost every day. And for me, when I first got started, it meant having confrontations. It meant going up to people and saying the things I usually only said inside my own head. And that was a lot of examples in there, but one of them was, I remember speaking up at a team meeting. I can't remember what I said, but I just disagreed with the group where usually I'd agree. And that's how it began. Honesty was one of my weakest ones. Honesty was probably being the core value I focused on the most because it's the one most lacking in my previous self and it was the one that caused most of my problems. And this one I practiced all the time. One key way I practiced it was to be honest about my attraction towards people. It was an area I was deeply ashamed of. I never really told people directly that I was attracted to them. I even had a girlfriend for over two years without directly telling her I was attracted to her. And so I went on a binge of attraction sharing. I just went up to total strangers, told them I was attracted to them and moved on until it no longer hurt, until it was no longer scary. Acceptance is one I've been working on still to this day. It's one of the hardest ones for me to work on. But one of the biggest development areas I've made is taking a break when I'm stressed instead of fighting through the stress, just relaxing, doing the opposite of what I feel like doing. And respect. Respect is about boundaries. It's about live and let live. And for me, I think one of the biggest changes I had to make there, I remember when it first happened, I was a manager of a team and I just had to let some people do things their way. That was a key change for me. It was kind of like delegating. But uh, there's people who didn't do things exactly my way and I'd just take it off them and do it myself because I didn't respect their way. I preferred mine. And one of the things with respect is I just let them do it and just left it with them. So those are some examples of how I translated my principles into actions. And I found that they translated differently every day and in every situation. That's why you've got to get kind of spontaneous and responsive with this stuff. And I can't stress this enough. Get yourself a coach. Even if it's not me, get somebody. Because you're going to make so much more accelerated progress with someone who's in your corner, who knows what you're trying to achieve and is paid to help you achieve it, than you are on your own. I mean, I did like my first... 
five years of self-development like this after my reinvention, I, I did it all on my own. And then I got a coach for the first time. And the next three months, I made more progress than the five years before it. I have no doubt about that. It made me just kick myself, like, why did I wait so long to get a professional in here to accelerate this progress? Why did I waste so much time with guesses? So a mentor, coach, or even just join Brojo or a community like that of people who are going to hold you to account and who want the best for you, it's going to accelerate your progress so much quicker than doing it on your own. Only insecure people believe they have to be independent. You know, resourceful people use whatever they can. And the last thing with the experimentation phase is kind of the opposite or the counterpoint to doing all the good stuff is you've also got to ruthlessly do weeding. If you imagine weeding a garden, you've got to get rid of all the shit that's holding you back and no longer fits the new you. So your experimentation has to include like stopping things and doing less of other things. It might mean eating less shit food, spending less time on Facebook, stopping masturbation to porn. It might also mean getting rid of some people, cutting them off or letting them drift away. If there's friends or family members who are unsupportive or discouraging. And it can even get ruthless to the point where you need to change what job you're doing or move to another city. Just anything that doesn't fit or anybody who isn't helping Start getting ruthless about reducing the impact and time that they have on your life. Which brings us to the final phase. The final phase is what I call consolidation. And this happens once you've actually got a firm grip on your principles. So your draft has now become kind of a final blueprint. There'll always be updates, of course, because you're always learning. And to avoid needing a full reinvention again in the future... The idea is you keep upgrading this thing one small piece at a time and adjusting and adapting as new situations arise rather than waiting for a big crisis. But consolidation is when you've kind of locked it in. You're like, okay, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm supposed to be doing, the principles I'm supposed to be living by, what's right and wrong for me. I'm kind of on track. I'm feeling good about it. The confidence feeling is starting to emerge like, holy shit, I can see the matrix. I know how I'm supposed to be living. So your principles are now getting locked in, you've got a firmer understanding of what they mean, you're constantly pushing yourself to live by them, and consolidation is really about bringing it together. It's about discipline. It's about going from this being a draft blueprint to being your mission in life. Making your values the reason you do everything. Putting your integrity to the top of the priority list, above even your family, above even your children. Understanding that... Your family and your children and your friends and your job are going to benefit from you having integrity more than they will benefit from you sacrificing yourself. Okay, you've got to lead by example, you've got to role model, you've got to take care of yourself so that you can take care of them, and so on. And that's what consolidation is about, is when you realize, you know what, I'm willing to give up anything to ensure my integrity. And the beautiful thing is somebody who really does get to that nothing to lose mindset, hint, read my book, Nothing to Lose. Once you get there, you don't actually have to worry about losing things. Because the only things you're going to lose are the things that are bad for you. Your children will worship you and admire you. Your wife will stay in love with you. Your friends will think you're awesome. Your career will flourish. As long as you're willing to lose all those things in order to have integrity. But you've got to be hard on yourself. Hard but fair. 
You can't be so hard on yourself that you're asking the impossible, but you do definitely need to demand a reasonable compliance with these values. The 80-20 principle comes to mind. I've come to a conclusion that if you're living with integrity 80% of the time, you're going to have a great life. You don't actually need more than that, but less than that needs to be corrected. You must reward your compliance with your values. Things like fun activities or pointless stuff like scrolling through Facebook. You've got to earn those kinds of rewards. You've got to impress yourself before you're allowed to indulge in the, in the little sort of luxuries of life. And you must punish disobedience. If you did a half-hearted workout, get down and do push-ups until you can't get off the ground. If you lied to your wife, go and find her again and admit that you lied. Go redeem yourself. That's what the punishment is about, because the punishment's actually a reward. It gets you back on track with your values. But it'll hurt to do it. And it should hurt, because you fucked up and you need to fix it. And that's the key with this consolidation. Rather than waiting for a big crisis from years of not living by values, you're going to create these mini-crises by correcting yourself as quickly as possible. That way you kind of stay on track and you never have to worry about a big crash and burn later. In the consolidation phase, your boundary setting needs to become ever more assertive. You've now figured out what your integrity is and you've got to treat that shit like Area 51. No one's allowed in, no one's allowed to fuck with it. Even the people you love the most are not allowed to compromise your integrity. Nobody's allowed to make you break your own values. You've got to understand no one can. No one can force you to break your integrity. But they can wheedle their way in, they can manipulate and influence you, they can have a negative effect over a long time, and your job is to ring-fence that shit so that they can't do it. If anybody asks anything of you that breaches your values, come down on them like a ton of fucking bricks. Really, nip that in the bud sharply. Make them go, oh shit, I'm never doing that again. Really, even if it's someone you love dearly, even if it's your own children, This doesn't mean you have to hurt people or be mean. They just need to feel like they've run into a wall. Like, whoa, he does not get pushed past that point. Message received. It's very important because it's your job to protect your integrity. There are a lot of forces out there in the world who, even with good intentions, are going to ask you to compromise it. And those people, even the ones who love you, they need your role modeling. They need you to be strong in the face of that temptation, to show them how it's done. Give them faith that it can be done. Give them faith in you. Your wife isn't going to be served by you people-pleasing. She's going to be served by knowing she's got a man who will not people-please to sacrifice his integrity. One of the things I learned about having a partner, if you want her to believe that you can stand up for her, sometimes you have to stand up to her. So there are some people very close to you that are going to try and fuck with your integrity. They might not mean to. Some of them do. It doesn't matter what they mean to do. You make sure they run into that wall. No one fucks with it. It doesn't mean you can't take feedback and advice and support. But make sure you choose where that comes from. Get yourself a coach or a mentor. Or join a support group who knows what your intentions and your values are. Make sure your partner and your children are well educated on what integrity is for you. And that they've been asked to support you with it. You can trust them with that. They're the kind of people you take advice from. Some random stranger throwing some hate your way. Fuck that person. That person isn't allowed to change you. Make sure that they don't. And in the consolidation phase, you're going to be faced later on with the big ticket items. 
First, you'll just be living by your values in the life that you had before with some slight changes. And now in the consolidation phase, it's time to face some of the bigger changes like completely changing your social circle, quitting your job and starting your own business, completely reinventing your body, moving to a different city, the big ticket items that need to happen. Because you can live by your principles and your values anywhere, anytime, but that doesn't mean you should make it hard on yourself. You should be constantly looking to upgrade the garden that you're growing in. Make sure there's rich, fertile soil. Basically, everything you've got going on in your life, health, wealth, relationships, hobbies, etc., you've got to ask yourself, does this make it harder or easier for me to live with integrity? And if the answer is harder, that shit's got to go. It's got to be upgraded. One thing at a time, whatever you can handle. But you want to get to a point where you look around your life and you go, okay, I am in a healthy fucking garden. This is growing time. Very little weeding required. You know, now I can just flourish. Until that's the answer, you got to keep weeding. So that's it. That is the blueprint that you can design to reinvent yourself. Can't recommend enough that you get yourself a coach, for real. Get in touch with me, dan at brojo.org. If you want me to coach you, or if you just want me to refer you to someone else, this isn't about me. I don't care who you work with, as long as there's someone who helps you live with integrity. And I'll find whoever I can to help you with that. And of course, join up with Brojo if you want a supportive community who are all trying to do the same thing. Brojo.org slash join. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you all next time. <laughs>